You are listening to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. Learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. With a passion for literacy and supporting teachers, here's your host, Megan Polk from Miss P's Style. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of The Literacy Dive. And today we are going to unpack some untruths about reading. Now, sometimes we can start believing things that we hear, things that we read, or things that we see. And in turn, we end up locking our kiddos into a bubble and we're not actually doing what's best for them when it comes to reading. So... There are so many myths that are surrounding reading, and today I want to take a little bit of time to talk about four. So as I'm going through these four myths of reading, I want you to think about, is this something that you thought was actually true? And if so, that's okay. I think that so many teachers get ingrained to listening to the majority or reading one article and taking that as the truth that sometimes we lose sight of what is actually best for our students and we are the teachers. I have been to trainings, you all, trainings where I have been taught how to teach my students by people who aren't even teachers. So imagine that. Of course, they have research to back certain things, but ultimately, we know our students best, and so today, we are going to be addressing four myths about reading. Myth number one, children have to read the entire book that they're given. This cannot be farther from the truth. We should not make our students sit and read a book if they are not interested in that book. What we do want to encourage is for students to explore different genres, for them to give it a try, for them to read more than just one or two pages, maybe even more than one or two chapters. But ask yourself, If you pick up a magazine or a newspaper or a chapter book or a professional development book and you read a little bit of it and it's not really fulfilling to you, it's not holding your attention, what do you do? You may put it on the coffee table or gently place it back on the bookshelf. You don't sit there and make yourself read it unless you have to, like a book for a college course or a master's program. Then unfortunately, you just have to uh, figure it out. (laughs) But when we're talking about our students, we are typically having them read for enjoyment at the age that they're in, and we are wanting to expose them. So your job as the teacher is to provide the exposure. You will provide the exposure by way of a read aloud. You will provide exposure during guided reading. You can also uh, provide exposure by doing little book talks and talking about a book in a little snippet and then leaving it for their imagination to determine 
Do they want to continue seeing what it's about or are they really not interested in it based on what you what you shared? So there are so many practices that you can put into place to allow students uh, to get them excited about choosing a book. But the whole myth of they need to read the entire book is absolutely not true. So let teach them the process of selection. Please offer them different experiences with genres. We don't want to limit them on what they can discover and try out, but we also need to teach them to abandon books so that they can start this whole process as a life skill of discovery. If we make them read the book that they do not enjoy, they are probably going to be very hesitant to pick up another book that they're uncertain about with the fear that they have to finish it. So in order to keep things light and exciting and to keep them experimental, we actually want to encourage them to read a book. But if they have given it enough time, they've read enough of it, and they're simply not interested, they should be able to abandon that book. The second myth that I want to unpack today is that The faster a child reads, the better they are at reading. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. That is not what that means. And I think so often we will more specifically look at those students in our class who might be speed readers. And I often will say, is the child reading or are they word recalling? Because It is very simple to read a list of words, which words are on the page. And if you're reading a page of words, if you are not understanding what you're reading, then you're not reading. You are recalling words. You are a word recaller. And so we have to pay close attention to those students who are fast readers. And we have to make sure that one, they have the comprehension connected to the words on the page. They could definitely be awesome readers, end quote, but if they're lacking comprehension, this is problematic. They could be skipping words as they're silent reading and speed reading, and that is also a strategy that we do not want to promote for our speed readers. They also could be missing certain strategies that we like to teach readers when you get to a word that you don't know, when you really need to stop and make an inference or a prediction. And we don't want to limit those experiences by brushing off the fact that, oh, this child reads really quickly. They are so great at reading. Also, for my students that are speed readers or word recallers, even if they do understand and they can comprehend well, I like to slow them down and I slow them down for three reasons. If they are reading quickly, then they are probably not phrasing correctly. They are probably not including proper intonation in their voices or they may not be practicing fluency. So with fluency, some people would say, but if they're reading really quickly, they are fluent. That's a four if you're using some of the running record benchmark kits. But actually, 
if they are reading really, really, really quickly, they are probably not that fluent. They're probably not stopping at punctuation. They're probably not making the text sound conversational like they're talking to a friend, like we encourage them to do. So when you have students that come and they're reading really fast, there is still plenty of work to do with those students. And we should not assume that because a child reads really fast, that they are better at reading, probably resulting in us not giving them the attention that they really need. The third myth that I want to talk about is the myth that reading comes naturally to kids, that it's a natural process and, hmm, I stop and ask myself all the time, if reading comes naturally to kids, then why do kids have such a hard time reading, right? So reading actually takes a great deal of effort from everyone involved in this child's life, the child themselves, the teachers, the parents. Everyone is working together on the success of a child's reading. Now, a lot of things come into play with reading. For instance, when they're first learning how to read, we definitely want to teach the process of how to read. But once they're in upper elementary and selecting their text, we need to focus on reading for enjoyment. They are empowered when they get a choice as to what they read. And even in guided reading, when teachers are selecting the text, you should still keep a variety going so that it is hitting all of the students that you are meeting with at some point in your group session. Actually, in the big picture, when I think about what comes naturally to kids, learning to understand spoken words and speech is a natural process. As people are talking, you are making connections and adding meaning to the words that they're saying. But again, if reading was natural, then everyone would be doing it. So reading, in my mind, is actually very unnatural. As humans, we have to learn the proper way to read. And reading is much more than recalling the word on the page It is adding meaning to the words. It is understanding how the words should sound based on the context of a sentence and punctuation marks. We have to provide our students with rich instruction that is focused, and we also have to be very patient with them. This takes time. So again, I'm not saying that Any child that reads fast is actually not a good reader. That is not what I'm saying at all. I know that there are extremes to every situation, but what I am saying is that if that child is reading really, really quickly, there still may be work that you can do with them, and that is really important to consider. Now, this final myth that I want to talk about today, I am super passionate about So I apologize up front if I get a little bit over-emotional about it. And this myth number four is the assumption that 
if my student receives intervention, they're getting what they need, so I don't possibly need to work with them in the classroom. Teachers, hear me loud and clearly. Intervention is not a replacement for in-class teaching. I want to say that one more time. Intervention is not a replacement or substitution for in-class teacher instruction. I know that those kiddos who are below grade level or who are new to the country and are eons of levels below where they're supposed to be can be challenging, not necessarily behaviorally, but challenging in the sense of you are wanting to prepare lessons for the grade level that you teach, and now you have one, two, or five students who are three grade levels behind. How am I supposed to do that? So, This is why it's even more important that you are instructing them in class so that when a specialist comes and pulls them out of class, that is an extra experience for them. The great part about the intervention piece is that that specialist should be instructing the child on the level that they're at, which will help to bridge some of the gaps. Now, I did not say all of the gaps because as we know, we are not necessarily going to say if they go to intervention and they get extra help that they are going to get up to grade level. Now, where that could happen, we are looking for growth. So if they went from being in a fourth grade classroom and they enter on a first grade level and by the end of the year, they are on a second grade level, that is success right there. You grew that child a whole grade level, which is what you would do in fourth grade to get them to fifth grade. So if you are sending them to intervention where they're getting this extra help and you are thinking, whew, I don't have to do that in here, I can work with these other children, you are doing those children a disservice. So if a child goes to intervention, they are getting what they need, but that does not replace what they need from you inside of the classroom. So pull-out programs are common, and they definitely are helpful, but they are not a replacement for your incredible instruction. What we have learned here is that reading actually doesn't just come naturally. There is a process and a system and a lot of different factors that play into a child learning how to read. If a child is reading really fast, we now know that does not mean that it's better. Fast does not guarantee better. And if they are reading fast, there are definitely now some criteria factors that we need to be investigating to ensure that that student is indeed where they need to be. We also know now that children, they don't have to read the entire book, just like we wouldn't. We want to expose them, We want to encourage them, and we want to cheer them on. But ultimately, 
if they're not really into the genre, it is okay to abandon the book. That is what we need to teach them, how to successfully abandon a book. And finally, if your student receives intervention, you are still responsible to teach and instruct them inside of your classroom for guided reading. Just because they're getting pulled out and getting the extra help that they need is not a substitution for what you are required to do in the classroom for that child. There are plenty of other myths about reading that we can definitely address, but hopefully these four just brings a little bit more awareness about reading instruction. If you would like a recap of these four myths about reading, go ahead and look at the show notes where you can be able to get the information that I shared today. Thank you for listening to The Literacy Dive. If you would like to connect with Megan, you can find her on Instagram at Miss Peace Style. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes of The Literacy Dive. Until next time.